Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to another edition of Nerdificent. I am one half of your host, Danny Fernandez. Today I'm joined by two of my dear friends that I've known for years, for actual years, and I'm really excited for them to tell you about uh, their podcast because I've been involved in a way. Um, but today we are talking about Dojinshi, which if you don't know what it is, we're going to get into it. And I'm joined by hosts and writers and my close personal friends, Emma Fife and Chris Lamb. Hello. Hi. Thank it's you. So great to virtually be here. <laughs> I know. I miss I miss us. I guess we're kind of like we always see each other at events. Right. Like cons and parties yeah. and premieres. It, it's and, been- yeah. One of the weirder things, I think, is that, you know, even people in in our profession who largely are freelancers and you often are working independently at home unless for whatever reason, you know, you're lucky enough like, oh, you're in a writer's room or you're on set that day or whatever. There is a lot of sort of independent work that goes into it. But because a lot of what we do work wise takes us out to events, I feel like I'm often so busy that conventions are when I see all of my friends that I would normally just see in Los Angeles anyway, but we never have time for each other in LA. <laughs> I know. I, Chris, do you feel the same way? I do. Um, that's kind of one of the um, things about having good taste and friends and aligning yourself <laughs> with people who, you know who know their stuff is that they are successful. And oftentimes that means that um, it can be hard to catch up, but, you know, it's definitely something that um, I try to accept, but it's also hard re-accepting it in this different context, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird because I was really mixed about Comic-Con being canceled because yeah. that's so many people, like, I feel for the artists, like, I feel for the people who really bank on making a lot of money at that time, and they that's like... 
yeah. uh, their yeah, time to shine. For me as a creator, it was kind of like, it felt like I could catch my breath. Like, you know, and it was just like, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do as much as we do. However, con season is just kind of one thing after another, after another. And sometimes I believe in like quality over quantity, I would say. And so it's just nice getting, to me, it was like so mixed because it was like, I have so much anxiety, especially as an extroverted introvert i feel like that is a thing maybe yes no like all, all of us are where we like are very um passionate about our craft and really good at what we do and we're like on camera but when we're off camera it's kind of like okay this is my little shell and please don't um invade my bubble i'm really you know <laughs> and so just the whole anxiety and i think there's an extra level of it's become really Hollywood. Like it's yeah. really, be- I've been going since I was 11 and it's really Hollywood now. Like they yeah. have shows they promote that aren't even nerdy. It'll just be like Kevin yeah. can wait or like, totally. you know, I mean, yeah. young Sheldon, I guess is nerdy, sure. but still it'll be. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like the, there is with, with San Diego Comic-Con particularly there, there is this very extreme level of marketing that's going on. And yet because you do still have your, you know, Obviously, in, in, in recent years, they've pulled out, but until very recently, you would have your big Marvel Cinematic Universe panel and you would have your big Marvel Television panel and your Warner Brothers panel. And so you did feel like you still really had to be there or you were going to be missing out on something. I, I know exactly how you feel about Danny, because I, I I felt the same way where I was like, it's kind of a relief in some ways. But on the other hand, then in my like Instagram memories, a picture came up of like I know. me and, and Xander Genre, I think, like out drinking on that Wednesday when everyone's first getting into town in San Diego. And I was like, oh, I don't know. It is really fun, though. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I was going to say what I feel about it being Hollywood is it turns into like, hey, did you get into this party? Yes. And who got into this party? And can you get me into this party? And it's just uh-huh. so like, that's not what it is. It reminds it me of exactly what happened to us when we were kids. Yes, Like exactly. when we were nerds and now we're being treated like nerds again, again. because you're not cool enough right, to oh get into this other party. <laughs> Invited and to so, the variety party. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, you didn't get into the EW party? Okay, well, you know, maybe we'll meet up with you after. And it's just like, <laughs> right. it's just like, I did not live it's my like, life as on, a nerd on, we're to be, to we're be, not going to get in. Let's just to get let, food. Yeah, Let's these food. popular Hollywood people make me feel bad. It's so, and so yeah. that's the other side. I think that a lot of people don't see for at least for us. And so when it was postponed or canceled or whatever, I was like, oh my gosh, the idea that I'm not going to have to deal with yeah. the, the flaunting who, you know, who's at this and who got on what panel, who is doing so much. And it's totally. just like, that I, to I, me, I will say that just in, on the, sort of opposite end of the San Diego Comic-Con spectrum, what I have found to be, I mean, obviously there are tons of small conventions uh, around the world that really are more focused on um, celebrating people coming together to enjoy something that they love as opposed to, as you say, be seen at a party. Um, But I will say that my experience with Star Wars Celebration was much more like those small conventions where just like everyone at Star Wars Celebration was there because they loved Star Wars there weren't any cool parties that people were worried about getting into. Everybody who normally are peers who are in, again, at that level at San Diego Comic-Con of possibly some of them do get invited to the EW party. And, and if you're not one of them, then you're not doing as well as everybody else. At Star Wars Celebration, like everyone was just hanging out at the Marriott bar. It was so, nice. so much more low key. Um, and it really it really was. It was so much fun. It was so, so much fun. Um, so, yeah, the you know, conventions, they're a. 
they're they're a mixed bag, but uh, you know, I do. Yeah, know. I was going to say it's like apples and oranges at this yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's my, and I do love San Diego Comic Con has been like my you know home and love mm-hmm. and stuff since. And my family's from San Diego, so it's right. been a huge part of my growing up. It was Aww. just watching it change. I think is why I was kind of just like relieved to get a break from it because it is has turned very like I said, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And so it just is kind of, for me, I was like, oh, finally, I don't have to deal with like <laughs> the Hollywood networking, like media con that it has become and, you know, can geek out about things with my friends on this podcast. Yeah. And speaking of geeking out, um, as y'all know, every week we talk about something that we're nerding out about. And Chris, I wanted to ask you first, is there anything that you're super into right now? I'm so happy you asked that. So, I think for me, I'm really excited about, you know, amidst everything going up in flames and uh, us in this time of upheaval right now, I have been anticipating the game Ghosts of Tsushima. Ooh. And Can you in, tell people what it's about that don't know? Yeah, so it is a RPG made by Sucker Punch. It was announced in 2007, 2000, sorry, 2017, 2018, I believe. Um, and they were really inspired by Kurosawa films, basically. Um, the very famous black and white samurai films, if you're not familiar with them. I was not until I heard about Ghost of Tsushima. That's how I get into a lot of things through video games. And um, I've been actually watching Kurosawa films in kind of preparation for the game. And it's been really, really educational. And um, the actor that he has in the two movies that I watched... Seven Samurai and Yojimbo. He is very, very hot. He's dead now, but he's hot. Oh, he was okay. Hot. Um, I think you would really like him, Danny. No, I mean, I feel that way about the guy who plays Satan in The Howling Man. He's passed, but he'll live on very hotly in my heart. <laughs> yeah. He, he just has like, uh, he just has like that level of drip before like drip was invented, you know? Like, yes. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. You know, like he has like, there's like this really great picture I should send it to you like there's this great picture where he has like he does that thing where like he takes his arm and like he puts it back into his shirt and like he is like rubbing his five o'clock shadow like through mm. the um the neck hole of his uh yukata kimono mm-hmm. situation it's very daddy. That was really hot that you did it though yeah it was cute thank you thank you <laughs> thank you I try. Um, what about you, Emma? What are you geeking out about? Oh, well, uh, I finally uh, came around to playing Persona 5 Royal. So I played the original Persona 5, which was released in 2016. Or maybe it was early 2017. Somewhere in that time period. Um, uh, and I, I I had been wanting to play Royal Edition, which is just like the expanded, remastered version. They've added a bunch of uh, new characters and new gameplay elements that actually are really, really good. It makes it totally worth replaying a 100-plus-hour game. Um, but I I had not necessarily been ready to jump into it. So it came out right before the Final Fantasy VII Remake was released. It came out, like, end of March, and Final Fantasy VII Remake came out April yep. 10th. So I went, yep. uh, I don't really want to get into this when I know that I'm going to start the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, and then when I finished Remake, I went, I don't really have the emotional energy for Persona 5 yet. But then all of a sudden I was struck with, I needed to play this game. And it has been so, so much fun, uh, particularly to play it on 
my Twitch stream with an audience. It's just like, again, I am loving all of the changes that they made to the game. The new characters are all super interesting. I just met uh, the school psychologist who is a new addition to Royal Edition. And like, let me tell you. He keeps offering me to come to his office to have some snacks. Wow. I'm like, you okay. A, you a snack unto yourself. Like, wow. <laughs> this isn't anything new to the original game, though, Danny, just to let you know. No, no, there no, no, are, no, no. There are adults that have a crush on a high school boy. It's very complicated it's, and problematic. And oh, problematic. sorry. Okay. I don't pay attention. <laughs> no, yeah. But uh, no, no, no. This, this, I. Please don't I, write me. I do not play this game. <laughs> I don't know what you guys were talking about, uh, yeah, but no, I just heard. No shame. Just know that there, there is um, <laughs> equally as intense things happening in the original. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, but yeah. This has not crossed any lines as of yet. Gotcha. But he's, but he's oh my very, gosh. but listen, he's, I, Emma, an adult woman, am into this character, an adult man. Let me be right, clear. Right, 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 right. There's, there's gameplay. There's role-playing, yes, for there's sure. Role yes, there's role-playing, for sure. I mean, it is a role-playing game, so, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, the thing that I'm geeking out about is actually uh, an artist named Sailor Jubs. Uh, she's Julia Mello. She's a Brazilian artist, and um, she needed... To, she was taking commissions because she just moved and wanted to pay for her apartment. And so I bought up a bunch of commissions and had her do my friends. And so she did amazing artwork. Like some of y'all saw it on my mm-hmm. feed. It was so real. She got Danielle Radford, who's been on our Buffy episode, Joelle Monique, who is our producer, who's listening right now. <laughs> um, she did Sabina Graves, who was on our Haunted Mansion episode. She did my friend Kat Andrusco, like, but just like so spot on. Yeah. And I can tell y'all this is such a great gift. It wasn't even that much. Like she was, you know, she had full body or half body commissions where she would do a portrait of your friends. And it's like such a great surprise. Yeah. Or like if it's someone's birthday, it was Sabina's birthday. So I sent hers to her. But like it was just so spot on. And it helped this independent artist pay for her apartment. And it also was a great gift for my friends. So again, she goes by at Sailor Jubs. It's J-U-B-S. And she is such a great artist and just really kind. Yeah. I when you posted those photos, I or that artwork rather, I scrolling through, I didn't have to like see who was tagged in which picture. I knew <laughs> I knew exactly who everybody was. Yeah. But it was, was so great. And it was so great. And it was just like we all have different skin tones. We all yeah. have different hair textures. And like she was just able to capture everybody's beauty. And yeah. um that was just I just thought she did such a great job. So yeah. props to her. And uh, we are talking about art today. Hey. Oh, transition. Talk about art. Noise. So for, so for people who don't quite know or haven't heard the term Dujinshi, yes. like what is that? Well, it is it, it is very simply uh, fan created works that are typically derivative of uh, an existing piece of fiction. So while in the States, I think we tend to think of it as only being uh, fan created comics. It also uh, is a term that applies to like fan art collections or to published light novels. Uh, the, the key is, is that it is people self-publishing. Like I said, it is largely um, work that is derivative of other works, but it's not necessarily like bottom line has to be in order to be considered doujinshi. 
Right. Yeah. 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 So the way I was going to explain it to people is like, if you know fan fiction, mm-hmm. which is like if you read, say, Harry Potter fan fiction, you sure. know that's not written by J.K. Rowling or any of the other authors that have been involved. It is um, by fans. Mm-hmm. And so this is fan created art. Mm-hmm. So it looks like manga. It looks like a comic book. Um, very beautiful drawing. Some of them, I mean, you can't really tell oh, the difference yeah. between the original and manga. A hundred percent. I mean, you definitely come across doujinshi creators who are real good uh, at mimicking the art style of the original. Yeah. So the only difference between mainstream manga and original doujinshi Dojinshi is that Dojinshi is not published by a publishing company, so Correct. it's self-published. Yes. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of the same way that fan works, and honestly, you know, le- like let's plays on video games, right? Sure. Like, it's it's all done with the unspoken agreement between the fan community and the original creator that, like, you know, okay, like, you know, I'll I, I won't do anything because this is really good for the community and I want to support mm-hmm. other artists. And this is a great way for artists to get their work out by using, you know, a pre-existing IP. So, yeah. um, but if they wanted to, they could do things. So what was the, your first, uh, the first doujinshi that you stumbled upon? <laughs> Ooh, well, let me see. I, I had a, I really think I was aware of doujinshi in the same way that a lot of people in the U.S. become aware of doujinshi and, and what I do believe is is generally the attitude that a lot of Westerners have towards doujinshi um, is that it is all uh, adult in nature, shall we say? Um, so I think the first sort of doujinshi that I ever came across, it was just I was really into this um, this computer game called Ragnarok Online. Uh, and for whatever reason, there was just an influx of doujinshi uh, that was, you know, kind of of the uh, tentacle porn variety, shall we say? Really? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which I, which I came across. Um, but I definitely also, uh, as I got more involved in fandom and in fan works, uh, the first ones I can remember where there was really like a story to be followed and and they weren't all necessarily like really explicit in nature, though they were like Shonen Ai stories or like Boys Love, uh, which is a big um, subgenre within Doujinshi in particular. But it was like Gundam Wing um, mm. because that was airing on Toonami in like early 2000s, I want to say. And so at that point, we had also like just gotten high speed Internet. Uh, and I I did what all not all, but many, many young women uh, who get into that particular show or any any other number of shows where the majority of characters are the the primary characters are young, attractive men, you know, be shown in. Um, and I started off being like, I don't really like any of the girls on this show. I'm going to write fan fiction. I'm and I was writing like Mary Sue's. Um, which, if you don't know what a Mary Sue is, it's a it's a very uh, idealized female character, uh, often seen as sort of a self insert when creating fan works. But then I pivoted completely into being like, no, I want these boys to kiss each other, um, and uh, and yeah. So I would say that there there was definitely some like hero duo Gundam Wing Doujinshi that I and it, it was the same thing where it's like I started with like dipping my toe even though again i'd already i'd gone like full tentacle porn and i was like i need to step back from this so then it was like oh <laughs> this is like 
kind of a, a nice love story and like they kiss, but it's not anything explicit or maybe they even just hold hands. But, you know, then I then I pivoted into full on pornography. But yeah. <laughs> wow. Mm. What about you, Chris? Yeah. So I started I can remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, it was Naruto and Sasuke. Easily, nice. easily, Naruto <laughs> and Sasuke, and I definitely was kind of in the similar trajectory of like, okay, you know, this is Shonen I, which is known to be not porn. Yeah, you know, it's it's very light romance. It's about the romance, not about the sex. You know. Yeah. And so I was like, hmm, this is a little boring for me. <laughs> I want something a little bit more raunchy than this. I want to see them actually do things. And so I looked further i found what i wanted and i also found a lot more naruto ships because i mean there's so many characters in there obviously you yeah can, it's, it's treasure trove really um asuma sensei kakashi and iruha sensei um and then i i think that was kind of like my gateway into hentai proper and then my gateway into actual porn with real people <laughs> mm-hmm. there was this weird trajectory i I'm pretty sure I've told Emma this before on the podcast live <laughs> where I had this weird sense of like, oh, th- these aren't real people. And so like, I'm better than most of the people that are actually watching actual porn. Like that's for the really raunchy and sinful people yeah. in this world. And then I, I just joined them. <laughs> that's so funny to be like, I'm observing art. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That I think that is exactly the attitude uh, that, that a lot of people have is, yeah, you're like, these, these are drawings. This is artwork. Somebody like took the time to do this. I mean, they are very beautiful, meticulous. I mean, art. Yeah. But also boobies. Also. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, mine was, I talked on y'all's podcast and mine uh, was Vegeta and Bulma from Dragon Ball Z. Because I think when you look for, it's the same reason you reach out and read fan fiction mm-hmm. is when you're looking up doujinshi is because you're looking for more, you want to like see the things that they're not showing on the show. Yes, exactly right. Yes. Exactly right. Yeah. So you're like, what? what is happening when they're not fighting? What is happening when the TV turns off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... Um, so that's why I was looking up Vegeta and Bulma, and they have beautiful, great, also very sexual um, strips, you know, these manga strips mm-hmm. uh, of them. So we're actually going to dive into the history of doujinshi right after this. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. It was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. And we're back. I'm still here with Emma and Chris. We're trying to not be too spicy. It's just spicy enough. Because <laughs> y'all are gonna, y'all are gonna go and look at. You know, we will tweet some of our favorites that we're allowed to t- allowed to post. Yeah. Publicly. So that okay. So we'll we'll get more into this as we get deeper into the history of Dojinchi. But one of the reasons that Dojinchi has been able to continue to exist without any pushback from publishers is because it doesn't have mass market distribution. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's true. They they can sell it, though, because you yes. can buy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So technically, mm-hmm. they are making money off of. To me, it kind of reminds me, though, like we were just talking about Comic-Con, when you go to Artist Alley, and 100%. there are prints yeah, of completely. Iron Man. Yeah. And so that artist is able to make you know, their own art uh, mm-hmm. in their style, but using an IP, a Marvel IP, but however they can make money off of it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Usually the way that I've noticed that a lot of people sell it, if they decide to sell it online, you know, like publicly, like easily findable, is they they won't name the IP that it's from or the character, right? Mm-hmm. It'll be like, you or, know, if they're selling like a Sailor Moon fan thing, sure. it'll, it'll be like, oh, a lot of princess mm-hmm. uh, something. Yeah, that reminds me of like in Mexico, there's Dragon Ball Z toys and it'll just be power up <laughs> man and it'll be like right. exactly. the bootleg. Yes, it'll yes. just be like, but it'll be Superman's body and Goku's hair. It was <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Golden power boy. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, OK, so the history of Dojinshi, the pioneer among Dojinshi magazines was actually Morning Bell. It was published in the early Meiji period uh, since 1874. It's not a literary magazine, but it played a big role in spreading the idea of doujinshi. So the first magazine to publish doujinshi novels was Library of Odds and Ends. It was founded in 1885 by writers Ozaki Koyo and Yamada Bimyo. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was all the way back then. Yeah. I I also love the name Library of Odds and Ends. I think that's such a cute name. I know. Yeah. It sounds like it could be like a cute Netflix show that they like 
visit different eclectic places. Yeah, it's it is. It's really interesting to see people that are pioneering in the field of like self-publishing or publishing fan derivative works. It, it, it's amazing to think like, oh, man, because I mean, you think about it. I bet that back in the day, in the in the days of like the Greeks and Greek mythology, there were people out there that were that were writing fan fiction about How the funny. gods. I mean, that's basically what it was. It was all just like word of mouth stories being like, yo, have you heard this story about Zeus? Uh, no. Tell me more. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, like, yeah. who owns the rights to that? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so fast forward to Comiquette, which is the world's largest comic convention. Is that still true to this day? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, Pretty sure. So, yeah. It's it, certainly in terms of uh, the distribution of Dojinshi, Comiquette is like the event. Ooh. Yeah, so it's how- I would say. I would say that Comiquette is actually so well known that it's actually featured in like slice of life anime oh, where it takes time. place in the real mm. world, you know, like especially right when when you have anime that's about like mangaka or people mm-hmm. that really love drawing or people that are into yaoi, which, yes, there are animes that are now about people that like yaoi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And can you tell um, people what yaoi is for people that don't know yaoi and yaoi? I would, <laughs> I would love to, Danny. <laughs> thanks so much. Um, um, yaoi is basically manga that is implied to be smutty that's usually between two men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with very large hands. <laughs> How funny. How funny. Um, okay, so Comiquette, which is the world's largest comic convention, we fast forward uh, century, is held <laughs> twice a year in Tokyo, Japan. And the first one was held in December 1975 with only 32 participating circles and an estimated 600 attendees. However, yeah. about 80% of them were female, which I find so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like Guess us what? repping, yeah. Because women were having a hard time getting published. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is why there is a lot of uh, participation from women and also as as Chris and I have talked about pretty extensively even on this episode of the podcast up to this point there is this big market for yaoi and shonen ai stuff um which wouldn't necessarily be published by publishers because you're dealing with a taboo subject of homosexuality um even though a, a lot of the time the the shonen ai and yaoi stuff is a little problematic because it's really women projecting their sexual fantasies into a scenario wherein there are no women. It's gotten a lot better in in more recent years. Um, but yeah, I mean, because because of that, it was it was allowing women to put work out there to be purchased by other women. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing is I don't know if you like so much of um, doujinshi, at least the ones that I am into, is very romantic. Mm-hmm. It's very like heavy. You can feel that even the men. We talked about this on my episode of yeah. your show that the oh, men are kind of drawn in a feminine way. There's so much really female gazy Bulma and Doujin, uh, Bulma and Vegeta doujinshi. It's kind of amazing, especially when you consider the fact that that Dragon Ball on a base level right. is marketed yeah. towards men, towards boys yeah. specifically. Um, yeah. But the fact that, you know, you do have all of these women fans, I think that's another reason why you do see so many um, doujinshi car, doujinshi creators, uh, and doujinshi circles. So, so like, creators kind of all come together when it comes to doujinshi. And unlike in 
manga where typically it's the same person who's drawing and writing the story with Jojinshi, a lot of the time you will find like, oh, so-and-so did the art, but some other person did the story or somebody did the backgrounds. And like, they're ultimately kind of giving more credit than like a single mangaka who certainly has assistance. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like you're also dealing with all of these women that enjoy uh, media that is more targeted towards men, but they're getting something out of it. And so, as you say, Danny, like they want to write those stories of what we're not seeing when they're not fighting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the sense of removing the male gaze and just really making work that appeals to that sensibility, right? Because, you know, obviously, probably men were still uh, inserting themselves into everything yeah. back then. Yeah. So, Which isn't to say uh, that there's not a lot of really weird, you know, uh, 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 objectifying of women that happens in doujinshi and stuff that's really male gazy. Oh, that is very much out there as well. Absolutely. Um, And and I think... Um, mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Um, I just wanted to also mention, like, I wanted to kind of emphasize how secretive this whole, especially yaoi had to be Mm -hmm. back then, right? Because it even came in the term, which we discuss in our podcast, uh, uh, of the term fujoshi, which is a referring to the women that enjoy yaoi and shonen eye and basically roughly translated it means rotten women yeah <laughs> like rotten women like, <laughs> like like fermented rotten you know like yeah smelly smelly yeah yep so so okay so women who enjoy gay art mm-hmm. essentially are yeah. seen as mm-hmm. rotten but is that term also for the men or is it just the women that are so it's it's a really interesting uh situation because you know we've talked a lot about shonen i and about yaoi which is created almost exclusively by women and for women there's another completely separate subset of like gay porn effectively in the doujinshi market which is bada which is like for it's that is actually created like for gay men it's very it, it it's very oh, strange. interesting yeah okay so i wasn't aware that yaoi was mainly for women it's, oh it's, enjoy- it's for women and it's almost oh, exclusively I- created by women I did not. I know. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> well, Chris, I mean, I hope this is okay because we're such close friends. But like, was that, I mean, when you said that you were watching, ya- like, or looking at Yaoi, like when you were maybe before you came out or whatever, like, uh, I guess I'm trying to say, like, is it, mm-hmm. since it's just for women, but it seems like a lot of gay men are consuming it and finding yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, you know, obvious, I definitely think we're in a point right now where a lot of men have been inspired by Okay. Yaoi that was originally started by women and now there are plenty of gay artists that I do follow that um also participate in this Yaoi scene but um yeah definitely I think it would be more apt to kind of talk about uh I think Emma also has plenty of examples too about just like kind of the maybe the aspects of problematicness that we've seen because I think they're pretty common like the most common that I've seen is like two guys and then this guy who's like you know a ladies man he's like oh you know i usually don't go for guys but yeah. you know i'm in love with you and oh, that happens a lot it's a common trope in porn yeah yes yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah a- another thing that comes up a lot i feel like is is again it's 
even though it is two men, there's still very clearly defined roles as far as right. like who the more feminine one is, oh, gotcha, the more yeah. submissive one, and which one mm-hmm. is the like dude in this relationship. And and as I say, like this is something that has gotten better over time. Um, but you know, especially if you look at some some early examples, it's like, yeah, okay, well, all right, this this is about to men, but really it's about women being okay with enjoying sex. Like <laughs> truly, that's what I think of, you know, and and Emma, you prefaced this before we got the, you know, at the top of this yeah. episode, but Dojinshi is not just sexual. No, it's, it's not. not at all. No, like there are there are entire threads and volumes that don't have sex. It's just when you're this is often a lot of kids that are into anime, it's kind of like what we're all saying. Like this is our the break between this and like actual people are watching porn. Like when Mm -hmm. we're exploring, I think I found it in middle school. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of just like, who are these characters that I trust? Right. It feels like a safe space because this is like your, your animated show that you're into, but it has some adult themes. Most anime does. Yeah. Um, And so now you're kind of saying like, Oh, this is their dating life. Oh, okay. So this is okay. They've gone on a couple of dates now and they like each other. And now they're going to possibly explore sleeping together. Like it's kind of, like yeah. a YA novel like oh totally so it, they're not all yeah they're not all sexual and like I really do no. want to say that it's a lot of them is just like regular comic books oh yeah and, and even manga, and but, even yeah. as you say some of the ones that are are sexual it does have that gradual build up to characters being intimate with one another and so I you know I think as far as doujinshi goes it I in some ways Japan's almost more respectful of fan derivative works than the U.S. is. Because, again, as we saw, this kind of publication has been going on in Japan since the 1800s, which is crazy. Uh, But which isn't to say that it hasn't been happening in the U.S. And certainly, you know, early examples of fan fiction and things in order to get any sort of distribution prior to the Internet would appear in things like science fiction magazines and other little publications like that. Um, but I think that w- there's this weird stigma in the U.S. against fan fiction that is getting better of like that somehow it does not take skill. It is not art. And yeah, in some respects, sure. But but Japan really has this attitude with Dojinshi of, well, these artists need to get experience uh they need to get some kind of exposure and so you know big publishing companies are absolutely looking at what's out there in the doujinshi market and going hey this person's really good we should hire them to do something and in addition to again providing you with an outlet to just create and not have to worry about creating the world just taking characters that you already know and you already like all of that is really positive and then as you say danny there is the sexual aspect of it as well, because, again, it is not exclusively uh, adult in nature, but the stuff that is you as a teen, because I'm I'm the same as you. I think I I read my first Dojinshi when I was in middle school or early high school, and you are then able to kind of like explore your sexuality in a really safe way. <laughs> yeah. And talk to the, most of like the places that I would... Um frequent had like chat rooms and stuff mm-hmm. that I was ha- I was in and we would talk about the doujinshi that we had read or the fan yeah. fiction that we had read we would link the fan fiction that we liked and it's just you know I was just thinking about this as I'm like working on this show right now that is has middle schoolers as the main 
um, characters. Sure. And it's really fascinating because it's such a necessary, you know, they're not quite little kids anymore. Right. And they're not quite... They're not quite adults and like it's still a necessary conversation for both middle school and high school. I think the hands off approach of like pretending that they're not going to get, you know, mm-hmm. exploring or whatever is so not helpful. Yeah. And I think a lot of tra- times people try to spin it to be perverse. Like, well, you're talking about kids and sex It's like, no, but also I lost my virginity when I was a teenager and it would be great if I had, more, you know, a yeah. lot of us lose our virginities as teenagers. And like it's in most media, most shows that you watch about high schoolers or call I mean, um, or college kids, but like mm-hmm. most shows that you watch that have high schoolers um, or movies that have high schoolers, they're exploring and i mm-hmm. think that it's instead of a hands-off like you can't watch this you can't look at this you can't whatever right is more like let me make sure you have the resources so you know what consent is so you know what yeah if you need, um you know protection and think like i'm just so in the opposite direction where i'm very like and that's what i mean when i say sex positive and yeah. it's like you know i lost my virginity to another teenager so yes. it wasn't like you know those things totally. happen and that's okay and we yes. need to like normalize having these conversations about like not I mean I had to hide everything from my parents and I think I think that's why people when they hear doujinshi or anime even when they hear mm-hmm. anime they immediately think of tentacle co- tentacle porn and hentai right. and like um and it's just seen as like that's one aspect of it yeah. but another is just kind of exploring these relate what dating is like when you're in middle school and high school you I think my first boyfriend you know we only like made my made out or whatever but like I think my first boyfriend was in middle school and Mm -hmm. so it's like you're starting to develop and even if my parents were like no don't do it I'm still gonna do it and so it's just like yeah allowing kids to have art and literature that is treats them like in a respectable way of what they're dealing with and not like they're dumb, Mm -hmm. like, you know, idiots that don't know what's going on. That's a really good point because I never really thought about it, but really it was doujinshi that gave me a sense of representation actually for the first time in my life. For sure. Yeah. Like, Like literally, it was fan works. Yeah. Yeah. And so there needs to be, like, I think just a level of respect for this art and and think of the people that are making them. Mm -hmm. They probably are also dealing with those issues of sexual identity. Totally. um, Repression. Repression, not being able to come out to their family. So this has definitely been a safe space. I feel for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. We have to take a really quick break. I have so much more to talk about <laughs> Dojinshi. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit more of its history and the future uh, right after these messages. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. 
Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using fabric softener. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? (laughs) Yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. We are back. I'm still here with Emma and Chris. So, for people that are new to Dojinchi or like, what is this word they keep saying? What are some like famous anime? that have really Mm. cool doujinshi that you would be like oh if you're into this you should check out this okay listen i I (laughs) went full tilt into doujinshi again as as an adult again as a as a teen i was real good at the internet i was finding all this doujinshi i was reading that that gundam wing stuff i was reading the dragon ball sailor moon all of it uh, what really tilted me right back into it uh, is actually Yuri on Ice. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay, so nice. for people that don't know that anime, yeah, can you so, explain it to uh, them? Yuri on Ice is a gay figure skating anime. Uh, it's beautiful. It, it And it also was kind of, I, I don't want to say revolutionary, but it was important from the perspective of it really was it amidst all of the amazing figure skating drama by the way i watched this show like it was real figure skating i was like freaking out when people would skate um but there is this very wholesome gay love story in it that's not really refuted it's so interesting because there's a scene in it where uh the two main characters kiss uh but like the like yuri's just finished skating and so like victor like jumps onto the ice to give him a hug and like the angle of his arm is such that you can't see that the two of them are kissing. But like, it was mostly Western fans that were like, oh, that was a cheap shot. And uh, did they kiss? I don't know. And the creator was basically like, well, it was in Japan. Nobody needed any additional confirmation. <laughs> but again, you're you're dealing with a with a disconnect of cultures there, um, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so there's there's yeah. a lot of real good Yuri on Ice uh there's a, oh, it was so ooh, good. There's a lot. There's a lot of good doujin. What about you, Chris? Is there anything that you would recommend for people to like Google or look up if they're like wanting to get into it? 
That depends if they want to dip their toes and if they want to jump in head first. <laughs> <laughs> what is one that's like not sexual that you guys are like this, you know, anyone could read mm. this? Well, mm. I will say that because I, I think that's one of the reasons that I like the Yuri on Ice stuff is because it has yeah. a range. Um, there's a lot of nice slice of life stories in there and there's there's a lot of nice uh, hardcore stuff in there, too. Um, I I would say uh, and again and again, we're getting into that conversation of it's teenagers like how can you how can you talk about teenagers sleeping with each other and and that goes back to what you were saying danny um of, twilight yeah although i guess he was like 300 years I, old you know what but <laughs> gross <laughs> he was a perpetual <laughs> teenager. but twilight like when i think of sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but when no. i think of the doujinshi that i was into it was like adjacent to twilight yeah it yeah. was that heavy yeah. like vampire which they do have vampire doujinshi yes it oh, was yes. like that like will they won't they crawling into her bedroom and that's yeah. like such a teenage like we saw that in scream we saw that in clarissa explains it all it's like mm-hmm. such a teenage trope but like that's what we think of teenagers like how am i gonna sneak out and get my teenage boyfriend and like yeah i think in that context it's like it's you know yeah people are prudes is what i'm saying like, totally yeah. totally because i yeah. I was just gonna say, there's a lot. There's a lot of really good My Hero Academia doujinshi that is. The, I was like, gonna say that's just about like the relationship between the characters. Now, be warned if if you're freaked out, and and I respect it that you're like, but they're teenagers. I don't want to see any sexy stuff with teenagers, and I I get that. I respect that. But again, it's like it is largely teenagers hooking up with other people their own age. So, but I, right, I, I, I mean, so yeah. just beware is what I'm saying. But there's there's a lot of good not sexy stuff there as well, um, and just some really good good art. And I want to say, if you're a parent, instead of being like my parents who got sex books from the library and just <laughs> left them in my bedroom um, and didn't talk to me about them, just like rented them and put them out there. And it was, you know, two couples like going at it or like, this is what happens when you grow, start growing hair here. <laughs> um, you can always give, you know, give give these more um, YA focused art Mm -hmm. and comics to your teen who is you know exploring or whatever yes um so they feel seen and okay and and you know yeah yeah it's funny that you mentioned hair because in doujinshi usually everybody is as smooth as a baby's butt that's true (laughs) yeah yeah everyone in doujinshi waxes (laughs) yeah um but uh to answer your question danny um i think i would say if you know anime, if you have an anime that you like, and if you know that it's popular, mm-hmm. you most likely will be able to find a very wide range of things like Emma said. Mm-hmm. I think just go to a reputable um, fan work site, like My Reading Manga. <laughs> you and... have to be aware of these websites. The ads on these websites are more aggressive than most of the okay. content. Okay, That's careful. very true. I... I I block those out because I'm just so used to it. <laughs> um, I yeah, my reading manga or another site like that. Careful, you know, uh, don't go to anything that looks too seedy. Yeah, and don't use, click any links. Yes, <laughs> stay on the use website. The filtering. <laughs> use the filtering functions. They're very great. They have filtering functions so that way you can search up shonen I or BL in, and not search for smut yeah. or porn. Yeah. 
Um, are there any, so this is a great question from Joelle, mm-hmm. Monique, our producer. Are there any characters whose work better in doujinshi than in their original book? or property? Oh, crap. <laughs> I think that's such an interesting question, right? Because the reason why people would make a doujinshi about a work is because they really resonate with the characters to the point that where they would want to yeah. labor over drawing them and write an entirely new story because totally. you know doing both drawing and writing the story and all of that is a lot of work so yeah i i don't know if it's so much that like they uh necessarily work better in the fan derivative works however i will say you know bringing it back to something like for me in my my early uh doujinshi reading days with like a gundam wing Part of the reason that that show was so successful is because there was this really dedicated uh, female fan base around it that were creating all of this Shonen Eye and this Yaoi content around it. Um, and and again, it, and it it wasn't even so much a like, oh, this is better. But, you know, I, listen, the the show was animated in 95. So at the time, you would get a lot more like detail in terms of drawing the characters faces uh and such in manga um and so for for me like reading some of that doujinshi i'm like i'm like dang like zex looks pretty good in uh in the show but he looks real good here you know what i mean (laughs) yeah um yeah i would say that i don't know if i've ever seen a work that i feel like is better yeah but Mm. i i think there's a sense of building off of something Mm -hmm. that's a good foundation right because it's kind of like how not every anime is like Yuri on Ice where it's the romance is clearly, clearly there. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of works where we yes. and Emacy that are about subtext and purely subtext because, you yeah. know, it was made a while ago or something and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was not safe for them to, or, to, yeah. to uh, or, or, create something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or so, so, so for me, it's more about like, oh, uh, an easy example is um, Studio Trigger's Promare, right? Like, mm-hmm. there is subtext, and something sure. is implied to be there. And so it's great that there is fan works that exist to kind of turn that subtext into non-subtext and to make it real. Yeah. Um, I know that this this is pretty cool that many Japanese publishing companies actually sponsor annual manga competitions in which mm-hmm. the winner is awarded the publication of they're winning so they're yeah. winning stories so they'll end up publishing it so are there other stories that you've heard of doujinshi artists who end up going on to being manga and animators oh yeah i mean the most famous example is clamp uh clamp who created card for sakura yes. um chobits x1999 uh tokyo babylon like all like they have a huge huge body of work uh and they were a doujinshi circle and to this day they still all work together to publish all of their work um, but I mean, they they started they started off as a doujinshi circle. They were writing um, Euroiden Samurai Troopers doujinshi. They were writing Devilman doujinshi. Um, you can still find it. It's amazing. And then you know, they were so talented that they went on to be like some of the most successful women uh, mangaka that there are. Yes, we stand. Love Cardcaptor Soccer and Code Chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also. It's so funny because they've they've created such a interesting body of work that they literally created Tsubasa Chronicles that literally takes characters from yes. their existing original IPs and puts them together in its own universe. It's very very funny and yeah. 
very epic. Well, I, and I imagine this is like a portfolio for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, like totally. Like it's a portfolio and then it, you know, amassed to having like thousands, sometimes millions of like readers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So now that the digital, now that we have things like Patreon and other sites, like has it, because y'all own physical copies of Dojinshi that you can order, but like. Right. Right. That you could you. But like, how do people now have their own? Oh, Patreon type of it's it's really interesting because I I have definitely seen that happen more and more now uh, with people that do have Patreons that they will sort of publish full comics that are behind the paywall of their Patreon, um, which is awesome. Uh, um, I. And and obviously you have things now like Webtoon and there's just there's so many more ways that people can distribute their original work and, you know, get compensation for it because of the Internet. Yeah, I I frequent many a Patreon. (laughs) That's all I'll say about that. Um, well, we'll definitely, y'all can shoot me over some of your favorites and we can include links for everyone. Yeah. Um, this has been a great intro to Dojinshi 101, just talking about, you know, how it got started, how we got started into yeah. it. Um, Emma, where can everyone catch you? Uh, you can find me all over the internet uh, at my name, Emma Fife. wherever Emma Fife's are sold. Uh, I got a lot. I got a lot of projects and things that I'm working on a lot of stuff that hasn't been announced yet so I'm not gonna announce it so just make sure you're following me on Twitter Uh, and then also you can find me on my Twitch channel twitch.tv slash Emma Fife I typically stream Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday uh, starting at noon though because of other work stuff that I'm working on right now my schedule's been a little wonky Uh, so you know social media it's the place to be (laughs) love it what about you Chris um, you can find me anywhere at one winged Chris. It's like one winged angel, like Sephiroth. Uh, and also, please catch me and Emma's uh podcast. Not safe oh, yeah, for weebs. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to decide whether or not I should be like, wait, Emma, don't we have a podcast? <laughs> Just super, super che- cheese ad, right? Amazing. So Emma yes, and Chris, Chris have an in- an entire podcast that's dedicated to Jojinshi Mm -hmm. and talking about it in their favorites and each week they bring on someone I was on for one to talk about Vegeta and Bulma which is my favorite pairing yeah um if he was on it also yeah yeah so and I remember it was it started I think from a conversation that we were all having Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was uh Danny basically had tweeted something saying like don't send me porn. I don't want it. Unless it's um, Vegeta, Bulma, Dojinshi, then please send it to me. Uh, <laughs> so I jumped in and I was like, I would also like it. Uh, and, right, and then well, I, I was it's hard to, it's not hard to find good ones, but when you find good but ones, But when you find good great. ones, you, they're great and you want to share great. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes. Yep. Um, I am at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things. Remember that uh, I will be on Sci-Fi's The Great Debate this Woo-hoo! month, I'm in two episodes. I'm yes. not sure exactly when they drop. I think I'm in this week's, maybe, or oh. next week's. All right. Um, but I'm definitely in the last episode, which we shot right the day that I think we had to shelter in place. Oh, so dang. there was no studio yeah. audience on that last mm-hmm. final episode. Very fascinating. And they also like checked our temperatures 
at the set and like we were all like set to go and then it was like are we going to do this yeah. um so it was all of us just making each other laugh it's a really good time and a really good show so um i don't know if you see it screenshot it for me and tag me <laughs> um and we are going to this week we'll post some of uh our favorite doujinshi so you can see what we're talking about and hopefully you can get into it too and again supporting independent artists so yeah uh like we always say stay nerdy hey fam i'm simone voice i'm danielle robay and we're the hosts of the bright side the podcast from hell of sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.